Jesus.
Amen. You sound alive.
Amen. You may be seated. Well, here we are, one week after Easter. This Sunday doesn't come with as much hoopla or hype that typically Easter Sunday comes with. But church, I got good news for you. Jesus is still alive. Amen. Amen. He's still alive, and, and that's what matters. And so I'm thankful that you came to worship with us today on this. And what a beautiful Sunday this is. Amen. Well, good morning. I want to welcome those of you who are first-time guests, or maybe you've been back a couple times. We are so thankful that you are here. Uh, inside the bulletin is a place for you just to fill out a little bit of information about yourself. And there's a box out there in the foyer. You can place that in, or you can hand that to me on your way out. It's a way for us just to get to know you better. There's also a place, uh, even for our church folks, that you can include a prayer. And so if there's a way that I, uh, Pastor BJ, that we can be praying for you, please don't hesitate to let us know that. We want to be able to, to minister to you and serve you any way that we can this morning. Well, I hope you also look in your bulletin because we have a lot of stuff that's going on in the next couple weeks. Uh, this Tuesday, our senior friends are going to meet in the Fellowship Hall at 11 o'clock. I want to encourage you, uh, if you are able to come with us, make sure you bring a sack lunch um, with you when you come. And dessert and a drink is going to be provided. You can sign up at the welcome desk. Also this morning, there's a place for you to sign up out there for our cake auction. Uh, we're doing that on May 2nd. I've heard this is a lot of fun. Um, and the cakes are really, really good, and they go for a lot of money, which is all for a good cause because it helps our youth and our kids be able to go to camp, and it helps our parents not have to pay as much money when they go to camp. And so that's always a good thing. But we need you to sign up. And so that's also out there on our welcome desk, so please sign up if you're planning to participate. This Saturday, our men's ministry uh, is going to meet at 7.30. Um, and so I want to encourage you. Is that this Saturday? Is it? All right. Lost my track on my dates there. So this Saturday... Um, we're going to meet for that, so I encourage you to come and be a part uh, of that. One other thing, just to update you, you guys just keep taking the total and, and making it go up. Our Annie Armstrong grand total offering as of right this moment is $10,275. So, um, so praise, praise the Lord for that. God is so good, and you all have been so faithful to give. Uh, you also see a big announcement here in here about our debunked conference. Chris is going to come and, and share a word on that. So he's going to come while he's coming. If you are interested in joining Northside, or maybe you have joined Northside in the last couple months, we're having a membership class the last Sunday of this month. Please see me today. Let me know you're coming. We want to make sure we have enough food for you. And there's also a book booklet that I want to give to you so you can be looking through that. get a end of season uh, speaker for Upward and this year I was blessed to be able to get Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope Ministry to come be our speaker and Carl's such a fantastic speaker we decided to make an entire weekend of it so yeah, there's a schedule in there he's gonna be speaking with us a bunch um, on our on our Upward field we have oh, probably half of the families say have a church affiliation but the other half don't and some of that may be you know they're they're perhaps new to the area, they don't have a church, or somebody, a lot of people are unbelievers. And we try and address that each week, and we share the gospel in our devotions, uh, the practices, and at the halftimes of the games. But at the end of the season, we have a special speaker who comes in, and Carl, um, I've often described him as a cross between Ken Ham and Ray Comfort. He is a, he was one of the founding members on the board of Answers in Genesis. He has his own ministry, and he focuses on uh, 
debunking common statements. And you see some of them on there were things like, there is no truth, or all paths lead to God, or evolution is a fact, or things like that. And he, he has these quick rapid-fire videos. He also has talks that go with those. And one thing I love about him is there's a lot of apologetics ministers out there, but he doesn't keep his apologetics within the four walls of a church. He takes it out to the streets. He's also part street evangelist, and he, he shows how to do that. He, he really encourages the church to be bold in sharing the faith and not be afraid of the skeptical questions out there. So you know, there's a lot of skeptical questions. There's a stat that goes around uh, somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths of uh, young people raised in church leave, uh, leave the faith in their 20s. If we were to line up in age groups in this church from 0 to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 34, all the way up, there would be a lot of people in each group except for that 20 to 30 demographic. And there's, there's a reason for that. I mean, a lot of reasons have been offered, uh, you know, false conversion or, or lack of discipleship or legalism or, or hypocrisy, but surely one of the reasons is lack of apologetic teaching. So Carl's going Carl's to come in and address a lot of those topics, and he loves engaging skeptics. So if you have skeptics in your family or questioning teenagers, he, he's your man. Um, so pray for that. Pray that it doesn't rain on, on 5-1 because he's going to be speaking, speaking on the field. Uh, we're going to invite our upward families to come back that night as a continuation. Carl's going to do two of his debunk talks. We're going to intersperse that with, with pizza. Um, we're going to have an auction for a helicopter ride in there as well. So hopefully those are all good draws to, to come to that. But uh, just pray for that. We have a little one-minute one minute video clip. Carl introduces, introduces his ministry and can kind of get a feel for what's, what's in store. When we start teaching this generation, when we start parents getting serious about our faith, getting answers for our faith, and teaching a generation to get out and have answers, they become bold. And it only happens when you know it, then you can live it, and then you can share it. This is the, the standard, this is the authority, this is the foundation, and we've gotta be able to start from there because the world is going to throw these things at you, that's it. Just man up. It's going to happen. They are going to throw questions at you. They are going to come after your faith. So you better be prepared. But when you can give an answer, oh, that changes everything. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful this morning that we do have the ultimate answer. You provided that answer for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you are our Redeemer and you are our Savior. But you are also our example. And as those who have been redeemed, we are to be imitators of you, Christ. So Father, help us this morning. Help us to be bold as Christ was bold. Help us to live our faith boldly, to be courageous, to, to really believe what we say we believe. That if Jesus Christ is raised from the dead, then first of all, everything is going to be all right. But, but secondly, our lives are changed forever, and people are in need of that good news. So Father, we just in advance pray for this weekend, this debunked weekend, this conference. We pray for our speaker Carl, as he comes in and, and just boldly teaches the word and challenges us, he'll challenge our men uh, as he speaks to students and, and upward uh, families and, and, and our kids, as he, Father, will speak to us on that Sunday morning and then again on that Sunday night. 
Lord, we, we just want to have eyes to, to see, ears to hear, and hearts that respond and, and are changed. Father, there are so many people in our day and age who are skeptics, so many people who are hostile to our faith. And, and the reality is, oh God, right now, there is nothing I can do to change or save any of them. I am not intellectual enough, I am not persuasive enough, I am not powerful enough. But Father, you are the one who saves, and you are the one who redeems, and you are the one who can speak, even in the midst of their questions, and to reveal truth to them. Lord, we just want to be your instruments. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful to use our lives and to live our lives in a way that point people to Jesus. Father, as we continue to worship this morning, oh God, you are worthy. Speak to us. May we pour out our lives this morning. It's a fragrant offering up to you. May it be a sweet, pleasing aroma that brings glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
will stand with us and continue singing.
standing, if you will, take your copy of God's Word and open to the 23rd chapter of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in verses 44 through 47, Luke 23, verses 44 through 47. This is the Word of the Lord. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. You may be seated. Life changes really quickly sometimes. It was a couple months ago, Landon was playing basketball for the 7th and 8th grade team at Trinity. His coach was, was Mr. Long, Coach Long. First time we had met him and during that season. A couple weeks after that, about the time of winter break, his wife, who was a teacher at Trinity, got very sick. And earlier this past week, she passed away. And so on Friday, Ryan and Landon and I went to the visitation just to, just to let Coach know that we were praying for him and that we appreciate them. They have a, a senior at, at Trinity. And you just walk into right, a funeral home, and it's just death surrounds you. And when you think about life, death surrounds us. There's no way to avoid it. Death does not discriminate. 
right? Every single one of us in this room, we're going to die. And in the passage of Scripture before us, God dies. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dies. He breathes his final breath, and I intentionally, in planning the sermon series, left this one for the Sunday after Easter, after Resurrection Sunday. I did it by design because I want us to see how the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus changes our lives. And so before we get into the seventh saying of Jesus, I want us just to spend just a couple minutes noticing some of the things that happen as Jesus is, is breathing his last. Notice, first of all, we talked about this several weeks ago, verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour. Uh, that's around noon. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. That's about three o'clock. Notice the darkness. If you just want to summarize the darkness, this is the judgment of God on sin. It gets pitch black. In looking back and in understanding as God unfolds this revelation to us, we see that Jesus Christ is drinking the cup of God's wrath. That, that God is bearing our sin. Jesus is bearing our sin. We also notice something else that we have not touched on yet. It says, verse 45, while the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Now we could spend uh, hours in, in sermons on this, but in, in 30 seconds... Let me just say this, when the curtain is torn in two, Matthew says from top to bottom, this is God declaring access to him is now open. It's open. Only the high priest could go in past this curtain once a year, the Holy of Holies, and now top to bottom it is ripped and all can come into the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20 says, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, right? Jesus is our hope. He is God, and we now have access to him. It says, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so we have this morning access to God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There's something else that happens um, surrounding Jesus' death, and I want you to see this in Matthew 27, Matthew 27, verses 51 through 53, uh, Matthew says this, And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Now again, we could spend hours in sermons on those verses alone, but just to quickly summarize, there's life after death. Right? We see God is, has authority even over death. And that he's going to not only raise Jesus, but he will raise all of us, give us everlasting eternal life through Jesus Christ. And there, so there's a lot that's going on leading up to these final words of Jesus. And here they are in verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last this is the final saying, the final seconds, the final moment of Jesus Christ upon the cross. And in my studying this week, I came across a great quote by John Piper that's going to kind of help us set the stage for, for what I want to share this morning from my heart. Um, and, and so the quote's going to be on the screen. It says this, my dying for your salvation is my design for your imitation. I pay the price for the one, I give the strength for the other. Understand, first and foremost, when Jesus is dying on the cross, he's dying as your redeemer. He is paying the price for your salvation. 
But also on the cross, Jesus sets before us an example. Paul tells us that we are to be imitators of Christ, that we are to be as Christ. And so what Piper says, I think he summarizes it really well, my design for your salvation, my dying for your salvation is my design for your imitation. Now that we have been redeemed, we are to imitate Christ. And he says, I pay the price for the one, I give the strength for the other. So as we consider the final saying of Jesus this morning, let me just share my heart with you. God, in his grace, has entrusted me to be uh, your shepherd, to be your pastor. I'm to care for the flock. I'm to care for your soul. And what I want to be said of you when death comes for you, and what I want you to say of me, and what I want my wife to say of me, and what I want my sons to say of me is really simple, and it's simply this. Aaron lived his life well, he suffered well, and he died well, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. And when we gather, whenever that may be, and we honor you, and we remember you, and we celebrate your life, may it be said of you, he lived well, he suffered well, and he died well for the glory of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' death, we see an example. Again, he's far more than just an example. He's our redeemer. But he also here is an example for us. And so, how can you do these things? So let's, let's talk about them. Number one, live well for the glory of Christ. Live well for the glory of Christ. Jesus comes to his final moment here on the cross, and he says, Father, into your hands I commit my Spirit. He is surrendered to the will of the Father here on the cross. He gives his life up to him. But understand, long before this moment, Jesus had lived his life, surrendered to the plan, surrendered to the purpose, and surrendered to the will of his Father. This is how he lived his life. Let me just give you a lot of scripture here. The first words of Jesus recorded in scripture, uh, right, at least in the New Testament, um, is when he's 12 years old. He he's, he's, stays there. Uh, they, they lose Jesus. Oh my goodness, where's Jesus? They come back, and this is what he says. Um, why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Jesus, being tempted by Satan, says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In John 4, 34, we read these words, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus said in John 5, verse 30, I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, the Son of God, lived his life in perfect obedience and submission to his father. A.W. Pink writes, the Savior committed his spirit into the hands of his father in death because it had been in the father's hands all through his life. He was completely yielded to the father's will. And the father's will right, was to crush him upon the cross so that you and I could be saved. And so Jesus sets the example for us. So this morning, my prayer for you is that you would strive to live in obedience to the word and the will of God. 
That as Christ was fully submissive to the will of the Father, so you and I will be fully surrendered to the will of God. This is how we live life well. We live well when you are yielded to the Word of God. When the Word of God becomes your authority and not your thoughts, not your opinions. Right? We live well when we live yielded to the will of God. God, what is your will for me? I want to be in the center of your will. We live well when we live for the purpose of God. And what is the purpose of God? Well, Jesus summarizes it for us, that you love God and love your neighbor. May it be said of you, he loved God, and man, he sure did love his neighbor. He loved with all of his heart because he was seeking to follow the will of God. We live well when we seek to proclaim the gospel to others. When you understand that what people need the most is the good news of Jesus Christ, and you live your life with one purpose, and that's to make sure everyone that you know knows who Jesus is. We seek to live well for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 31. Psalm 31, verse 5. Now, as I was studying this week, uh, tradition states that Psalm 31, 5 was a prayer that Jewish fathers often taught their children to pray every day or every night. It would kind of be like our American bedtime prayer, right? Now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Maybe, you, maybe your mom or dad prayed that with you when you were growing up. So this was, this was a prayer that they would often pray with their kids. So Psalm 31, let's go back to verse 3 and then we'll get to verse 5. For you are my rock and my fortress for your name's sake. You may want to underline that. For your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. You take me out of the net they have hidden for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Sound familiar? It's the very words that Jesus utters upon the cross. Jesus is praying scripture, right? These are the words of Jesus, minus a few changes. Because the psalmist says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Jesus prays, into your hand I commit my spirit, period. Because Jesus does not need to say, you have redeemed me. Jesus didn't need a redeemer. He is the redeemer. He is the one who redeems us from our sin. He is the faithful God who came, who lived in perfect obedience to the Father's will, who died upon the cross, who took my sins upon him. He bore the wrath of God, and he was raised on the third day. Church, Jesus Christ is our Redeemer, and he is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of your life being poured out for him and his glory alone. So live well. Live yielded to Christ. Live well for the glory of Christ. Use your resources and your gifts and your talents and use them and leverage them in a way where people know the name of Jesus. But secondly, not only are you to live well for the glory of Christ, but you are to suffer well for the glory of Christ. When we think about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, Messiah, man, he suffered so much. But every step of the way, he knew he was in the Father's hands. He lived and he suffered trusting in his Father. 
Listen to Ray Pritchard and in, in what he writes. He says, for 15 hours or about there, Jesus had been in the hands of wicked men. With their hands, they beat him. And with their hands, they slapped him. And with their hands, they abused him. And with their hands, they crowned him with thorns. And with their hands, uh, they ripped out his beard. And with their hands, they smashed him black and blue. And with their hands, they whipped his back until it was torn to bits. With their hands. They, they, infor- they inflict this punishment upon Jesus. A.W. Pink writes, Christ's head rested on a crown of thorns. But beneath were the Father's hands. When you study the account of the crucifixion of Jesus, you need to understand that wicked hands have done all that they can do. They have done all that God allowed them to do. It is very important that you and I understand that when Jesus is hanging upon this cross, he is not a victim. He is not a victim. Notice what the scripture says. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice. As Jesus is suffering upon the cross and near his final moment, he cries out with a loud voice. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus wants you and I to know he is in full control. He's in full control. And this is what he had taught them. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He goes on to say, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. Jesus understands that he is suffering on the cross, and he is dying according to the predetermined will and plan of his Father. This is not an accident. This is not plan B or plan C. This is plan A, the only plan, and Jesus understands it. Our sovereign God, even on the cross, no, especially on the cross, is working all things according to the counsel of his will. This is not a tragedy. Jesus is not a victim. This is the will of God. And Jesus understood it, and therefore he suffers in the hands of God. Hear me this morning. Even in your suffering, our sovereign God is working all things according to the counsel of his will. Church, God can be trusted. Amen. And God can be praised even in the midst of your suffering. He must receive the glory even in the midst of your tears and even in the midst of your pain. He must receive the glory because he's good. But how? How can we trust God in the midst of sufferings and trials? Well, we we know he's trustworthy. We also know that he is Father. I told you there was a couple differences between Psalm 31.5 and what Jesus says upon the cross. One is Jesus does not say the end of Psalm 31.5. He also adds a very important title at the beginning. David just says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus says what? Father. Abba. Daddy. Daddy, into your hands, my father, I commit my spirit. You say, well, that's, that's wonderful. God is the father of Jesus. That would, that would be very comforting. 
but what about me? Well, here's what Jesus said to Mary Magdalene after the resurrection. He said, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. See, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that through Jesus Christ, not only do we have access to God, but he is now our Father, and we are his sons, and we are his daughters. 1 Corinthians 3.23 says, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. God is the Father of Jesus Christ. And if we are in Christ, then God is our Father. He is my Abba. He is my Daddy. And our Father rules and reigns over everything. Amen? He rules and reigns over everything, and He can be trusted even, even in the face of suffering. Because of Jesus Christ, you and I can suffer well for the glory of God. Came across a, a two-minute a clip of an interview that occurred recently between Tim Keller and uh, Dr. Russell Moore, who was a professor of mine um, in, in seminary. And Dr. Moore asked Tim Keller, he said, Tim, what would you say to a young Christian who's nervous about the future? There's a lot of people, whether you're a Christian or not, nervous about the future, the future of America, the future of the world. Maybe this morning, even as a Christian, if you're honest, you could say, look, pastor, I'm nervous. I don't know where we're heading. I don't know what's going to happen. What would you say to them? And I loved his response. It was simple. He said this. If Jesus Christ was actually raised from the dead, if this same Christ was seen by hundreds of witnesses and talked to hundreds of witnesses, if we believe that Christ is raised from the dead, Tim Keller said this, then everything is going to be all right. Tim Keller currently is battling pancreatic cancer. And he's gotten some good news as of late, but you and I know pancreatic cancer is the cancer that more often than not right, is, is going is to kill. And so he went very honest, very candid in this interview with Dr. Moore. After saying, if we believe that Jesus is raised from that everything's going to be all right, he, went, he then went on to say this. He said, but my wife and I have spent a lot of time crying lately. He said, as we come to the realization that life is short and is getting shorter, he said, we spent a lot of time crying. But then he said, but after we cry, we dry our tears and we remind ourselves that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and everything is going to be all right. Listen, I don't know all of your stories and the amount of suffering that you have experienced, some of you are walking in the midst of it now, and some of you are about to walk through that coming up, and you don't understand, and you don't know it's coming, and maybe it's going to come from me. But listen, whenever that day comes, let us be a people, because we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that will suffer well. People are watching us. Last week, we got done with, with the worship, and we're walking out. Malachi loves to get a piece of chocolate after church. Kim has a stash of chocolate over there, and so he loves to go over there. On the way over, he said, Dad, I, I was singing that last song we were singing. I was like, you were singing the last song that we were singing. I was trying to remember what it was, and I was like, oh, you, you were singing Death Was Arrested? He's like, yeah, I was singing that song. And I was like, I was singing Malachi. 
how do you even know that song? I haven't listened to that song in a long time. And then, so the next day, we're talking about it again. And I'm like, Malachi, how did you know that song? He said, Dad, that's your alarm every morning. That's the song that plays. <laughs> Death was arrested. Look, I would love to say I was super spiritual trying to teach my five-year-old death was arrested. You know how he picked that up? Without my knowing it. My son is watching me. Landon is watching me. I want to be real. And I want to be genuine. And when I have to walk through suffering, I want them to know what I said I believed when everything was okay. I still believe. And your friends and your coworkers and your family, they're watching you. And when you begin to suffer, you are now on a stage that you can display the glory of God that you still believe he's raised from the dead. And that everything is going to be all right. But then lastly, is we need to die well for the glory of Christ. How are you going to die? I don't mean will you die tomorrow or what will you die of will it be slow will it be sudden will it be painful i'm talking about the condition of your and my heart at the moment of death look when my time comes i don't want to be afraid of death i don't want to be gripped by fear or gripped by uncertainty or gripped by regret i want to die with peace and confidence in my resurrected lord and king Jesus dies with confidence. Father, he cries out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. In my death, I want to proclaim the excellencies of him who called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I wanted those moments to be able to say, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I want to say my desire is to depart and be with Christ because Paul says that is far better. And I want to utter the words of Jesus, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. I remember early on in my ministry, I, had to, I think like the first week, I had to do a funeral of someone I didn't even know. And I'd never done a funeral before. And I was like 23 years old. And so I just start going to the internet to be like, what are some sermons? Like, I've never, I, I haven't been to a lot of funerals. What do pastors say? And I remember, I remember this so clearly. I came across this quote by Adrian Rogers. It's on, it'll be on the screen here. Death is just a comma to a Christian, not a period. I have said this at every funeral, every graveside. When you die, I will say it at yours. You just won't know it. I will say it at yours. It is a reminder for us that death is not a period. It's not the end. It's a comma. It's a pause. And then you are ushered into the very presence of God. Death is what transitions our spirit from this world into the presence of the Father. Death is not a terrifying event, but it is a door that we all, unless Jesus comes, will walk through. It's not the end. The end is eternal life. The end is you get to be in the presence of God the Father in Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus died with confidence. Notice what he doesn't say. He didn't say, into the grave I commit my spirit. He doesn't say, into the dark unknown or in the dark abyss I commit my spirit. He doesn't even say, into heaven I commit my spirit. What does he say? He cries out with a loud voice and he says, Abba, Daddy, into your hands I commit my spirit. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me ask, a, let me ask you a question. 
Think before you answer. Do you believe that our God rules and reigns over all things? Yes. If so, then that means right now he is in control of your life. Right now he is reigning even in the midst of your pain and suffering. And he and he alone has authority over death. He alone has that authority. You are going to die. And the reality is there is nothing a doctor can do to extend your life beyond God's sovereign will and plan. Doctors are amazing. Nurses are wonderful. And they save people's lives. But when God says your time is up, your time's up. There's nothing they can do to extend that. There's nothing you can do to extend that. Also hear me, because God is sovereign over death, there is nothing you should do to hasten or quicken your death. I understand. There are people maybe in our congregation, people watching online, people all across America and the world who are struggling with deep depression, deep anxiety, and they are having suicidal thoughts. We need to love on those people. We need to speak into their life. We need to be there for them and to listen to them. We need to know them and know their circumstances and know their situations and let them know there is always hope even in the midst of darkness because our God reigns. And if you are there, if you are in a position where you are struggling, whether you you want to continue living or not, will you please let me know? God, God has brought a huge resource into my life recently. Right? Somebody that, 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 could, that could help you, that knows far more about this than I do. We can get you the help that you need if you need that help. Erwin Lutzer writes, Jesus died according to the purposes of divine providence, not the whims of cowardly men. Just so you and I will die, not according to the will of cancer, not according to the will of an erratic drunk cruising along the highway, not according to the will of a painful disease. We will die under the good hand of God's providential care. We will pass through the curtain according to God's clock, not the timetable of random fate. Oh, church, I want you to live well for the glory of Christ. I want you to suffer well for the glory of Christ. And when that time comes, I want each and every one of us to die well for the glory of Jesus Christ. And to die well, you must live and die trusting in God through Jesus Christ. From the cross... As we bring this to a close, I want to draw your attention to one more thing. From the cross, Jesus Christ, Father, into your hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Listen to me. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, all who die will fall into God's hands. Every single one of us, you are going to die and you are going to fall into God's hands. Now, for those of us who know God as Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. He is our Savior and our Redeemer, and we have confessed our sins and repented of our sins, and we have taken hold of Jesus by faith. When we fall into God's hands, it will be a comfort and a place of rest. Amen? It'll be a glorious thing for the believer to fall into the hands of a good and generous God, and it will be a welcome rest. But to those of us who only know God as judge, and you only know God as judge because you have rejected his son, Jesus Christ, you too will fall into the hands of God. And listen to what scripture says. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands 
of a living God. This morning, right now, you have a choice. When you take your final breath, do you want to fall into the hands of a loving, good Father who has rescued you through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ? which you deserve, not because you were worthy, but by grace? Or do you want to fall into, who by the way, it's the same God, but rather than resting in his arms and finding comfort, you will find his wrath. You'll find his wrath. Because you rejected his son, Jesus Christ, who bore that wrath for you. So instead, you will bear that wrath for all eternity at a place called hell. You're going to die, church. And so am I. When that day comes, man, I want nothing more. And for you, and for my family, as they're fighting back tears, as their hearts are experiencing brokenness and maybe a pain they've never felt before, I still want them with a smile on their face to say, yeah, but man, he died having lived well, suffering well, and dying well for Jesus Christ. Because in that, again, people are watching. And we can point them to the marvelous, matchless grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your head, close your eyes. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song together. It's called, Your Will Be Done. But before we do that, I just want you to take a moment right where you are before the Lord. And I simply want to ask you, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? Because if you do, then understand everything's going to be all right. Because God has raised his son from the dead. And you can right now just let go of whatever it is you're struggling with and just give it to the Lord and, and trust in his, in his will for you. You can trust in his will for you. If you don't know Jesus Christ, give your life to the Lord right now. Would you just cry out, Lord God, save me a sinner. Save me a sinner. Give your life to the Lord. Let me pray for us and then we're going to stand and we're going to worship together. Father God, as we get ready to sing the words to this song, your will be done, our God and Father. I pray that these, this is not mere lip service, but that God right now we truly can say, if our life is great, praise you, Father. If we're on the mountaintops, that we can give you the glory right now. Lord, I also pray that we can say if we find ourselves in the valley, if we find ourselves in the midst of suffering or being attacked by Satan, that we can still say it is well with my soul, that Jesus is alive and I will trust in my Father's good, perfect plan for me. Whatever may come, whatever may come. And if you're afraid of death right now, my prayer is over the next four minutes, that the Spirit of God will so powerfully work in your heart and your life that he will set you free. And that you will understand death is not something to be afraid of. But rather, it is the very means that God is, is using now because of sin, because of, of the curse, because we are going to die. God has conquered the grave. And death is what will bring you into his very presence. Father, as we sing, be glorified. Be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing the song with us? Your will be done, my God and 
for a couple moments uh, before we we end in, in prayer let me just do two things one 
if you this morning have given your life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, whether you're here or watching online, would you please uh, reach out? You can go to our website. Um, if you're watching online, there's an email. You can email. You can call the church office. If you're here in person with us, will you please just come see me and let me know, Pastor, I gave my life to the Lord. If you're thinking about membership, if, if you just need prayer for something, whatever it may be, uh, just reach out. Uh, let me know. We do have a couple this morning who is coming uh, because they want to join uh, Northside Baptist Church and what God is doing here. And God is doing something. Amen. I believe God is at work. And so, yeah, you can give God the glory for that. So we have Steve and Barbara Smith. If you all want to stand right there, you can wave, smile. He's, he, they're smiling. Awesome. You all can, you can be seated. So they're coming uh, by letter from Crossroads, right? Is that where they're, where they're coming from? And so they've been faithful members there and, and serving and had a chance to sit down with them in their living room several weeks ago. And, and God's doing a work in their hearts. And they just said, hey, we, we feel God's leading us here. And so um, it's, it's our responsibility as the body of Christ, right, here in Northside. Now that we got new, a new brother and sister, they're, they're part of our family now here at Northside, uh, just to love on them. Uh, to welcome them, to be inviting to them. And so I know it's still kind of in this COVID, what do we do? But if you just want to walk up and a fist bump or just, hey, hey, we're glad to have you, introduce yourself to them, I'm sure they, they'd be okay with that or uh, get their number. There you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So if, if that makes a difference to you, that's good to know, right? And it's so awesome. I appreciate that. So just looking forward to how God is, is going to use them here. Uh, and as I've been sharing the last couple weeks, uh, when you join, we have a new members class. It's not only for those who have joined. If you're thinking about joining and you're still just not sure, just go ahead and join us the last Sunday of this month. We'll tell you more about Northside and uh, what we expect of you, what we believe, what we think God's doing here, and, and how you can uh, partner with us in that. So make sure uh, you let them know how much you appreciate them and what God's doing in their hearts. All right, if you'll stand, Ryan is our deacon of the week, so he's going to come and close us with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us this time to gather together in your house, Lord. Lord, work in us that we would live for you, Lord, that we would love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would love others as ourselves, Lord that we would suffer well, that when tough times come, that we would be leaning completely on you, that through it all, that we would be honoring and praising you, Lord. And then when death comes, Lord, that we would just be adored to you, Lord, that we would step from this body into your presence, Lord. Lord, work in us that we would honor and glorify you in all we do. Just be with us this week. Guide us in your way, Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.